Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 419. This is your guide to the geek side. I am one of your hosts, Todd Oxtra, joined by Charlie Carden. What's up? Studio is done. I did my first actual moving the desk, so you get a little bit more background here. I'm kind of excited about that. So yes, a little bit new stuff. It sucks. I have two glass block windows on the back wall, so I did I did had it facing this way, and it was like, Burr! so I can only do that at night. So today you get this. Enjoy. You need a swivel desk, Charlie. Just it just turns like a lazy Susan. Oh, you're right. Like uh, like the uh, theater in the round kind of experience. Absolutely. Like you just position yourself. And unfortunately, like Dr. Evil's chair, remember when it goes out of control? Maybe that's what happens. Yeah, you can oh automate that. It'd be perfect. It'd be, it'd be perfect. Nothing would it. go wrong with that. And it would be great viewer view, viewing opportunities for the audience. Uh, but that, we are very happy this week to have a very special guest join the Secret Friends Unite. And that is Mr. Randall Lodowitz. He he is the editor at Running Press and the author of DC Book of Lists. And Randall, uh, I don't want to shortchange you. So if there's anything else we should share in your introduction and your, your many credits, by all means, speak. No, that, that's a good uh, starter. I'm a book editor by day. And every now and then I uh, write something on the side. Nice. And when we talk about Book of Lists, well, there's a couple interesting stories on how these the day job and the evening job kind of coalesce. Ooh, so you have a you have a large uh, set of red markers. As my wife is a journalist as well, she they call her red because uh, she is marks up things and makes the page bleed uh, and makes people cry. Uh, <laughs> Aww, isn't that delightful? It's, I like it. It happens. Well, although I miss it, now it's all on PDF. So it's a uh, red line yeah. PDFs. How do you make a PDF blade? Just got punch it. Punch the computer screen. Frowny face. Frowny face emoji. Rawr, 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 rawr. Yeah, make it happen. So many editor notes that are actually legible. <laughs> so you can yes. actually, oh, that's what you mean. Yes, exactly. I can be very clear about it. I'd be like, this is terrible. Um, and <laughs> it's terrible. But keep trying. <laughs> right. Well, well, very cool. Well, um, so we always ask our guests to give us their, you know, geek origin story. So how did you become the nerd, geeky man, whatever you prefer to call yourself in the world of, of genre? Uh, how did you become the person you are today? I mean, it's because Superman died, plain and simple. Ooh. Uh, it was, uh, Ooh, the 90s. Edgy. 90s. Yeah, it was, you know, I, I mean, I, obviously it was a nerdy, weird kid otherwise with uh, an interest in film from basically from birth. But uh, and, and with that, you know, Superman to me was Christopher Reeve. And I knew that comic books existed, but I never really, you know, spent too much time on them. But someone in fifth grade told me Superman died in the comics and I just had to read about it. I was like, how does that happen? Uh, and of course I got hooked on that and never looked back. So that's 30 years of collecting. And, you know, once you're reading that, then I hear like, Oh, there's a Batman comic where he's going to break his back. I got to read that. There's this guy named Green Lantern. He just, you know, went crazy. Oh, I got to read that. And, and that was so, all in all in the same time period too. That was all yeah. that early '90s. That juice. Everybody's flipping out and breaking stuff and going nuts. It's good stuff. It's good time. Yeah, imagine being an editor at the time and like people. I don't know how it worked at DC at the time. I don't know if it was like one 
like story person said like this is what i want to happen with all these characters or it was individual editors saying well if you can do that with superman well crap i can do this to batman and i can do this to green right. it just seems like it's you know they they basically yeah. went after a lot of uh secret cows yeah right. they did and it's, i mean it was, it was exciting so it felt because even for someone who was not a comic reader up to that point it the, the you know the concept of like you kind of felt like these characters could never change or you know superman's always going to be superman bruce or you know Bruce Wayne's always going to be Batman. So like it was just really innovative at a time to see like, Oh yeah, no, like every sacred cow is, you know, up for grabs. Right. Grab them yeah. cows. Moo. Do you still have then the copy of, you know, the death of Superman? Do you have oh, some of those early comics? Oh, oh yeah. I still have all the early comics. Actually, uh, can't see it from here. I have my, uh, signed, uh, Superman 75 platinum edition framed Ooh. up on my wall. So I get to look oh. at that right Nice. Uh, Dan Jurgens is a local guy. Uh, he always oh. goes to the Minnesota Comic Con conventions. I should bring that copy to him because he was such a part of that brain trust at the time. Oh yeah, I, I would love to get more nice. people to sign it. But yeah, right now it's just Dan Jurgens. Uh, oh, and then I have a uh, one of I have multiple copies of the Death of Superman, but the I have one paperback uh, signed by Louis Simonson. So. Ooh. So oh, every wow. now and then, you know, it'd be great to get you know everyone to sign one collaboration. Thing, but, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. And I would say at this point, some of those folks are getting fairly old. So act soon as much as as fast as you can. <laughs> no time exactly. like the present. Oh my goodness! Exactly. And speaking of that, there's no time like the present, Todd, to be a member of our Patreon because we had a development just today. Do we have somebody new join us? Oh, absolutely. This was a lot of fun. I just, I always check, the, I'm like the Patreon, like uh, Shepherd. I, I look, I, I prod Charlie and, and Mark say, have you done this? Have you done that? And it's always exciting when I get a pop-up say, hey, you got a new Patreon. I'm like, and we like, who is this person? It's not someone we know. It's not like a little bit of nepotism in the, in the Patreon world. So when I look and I'm like, oh, we've got somebody that joined us at our premiere tier. Uh, this is awesome. Great news. We are loving our Patreon. It's, it's been great to just connect with everybody. So our newest member, Member in uh, Charlie, you'll have to remember, right, remember. Remind me of the right one. It's best friends forever, right? BFFs, B- BFFs. You got it. Yeah, you've Correct. got them on, on our flow doc. You've got them listed in reverse. Uh, well, from, this is just yeah. the newest members first, and then yes. as the people yes. joined. So uh, oh, I, I okay. apologize for that. I don't want to get people the wrong uh, ranking. But Andy Milken right. joined. She's our newest BFF. So um, with that, Charlie. Um, when, and, and, and Rando, you can help with this too because you're a creative guy. So when we get a new BFF member, we have to sign them a superpower. The, but sometimes it can be a monkey's pur- uh, pu- uh, monkey's purse, a monkey's it's paw. A mon- <laughs> That's what you get out of the monkey. You wish for a purse. Weird. Well, you know, you got to put your your monkey paw in the monkey purse, so you know you can there carry you it around go. everywhere. So sometimes right. it can be like it's a blessing and a curse type of superpower, or it can be like a meaningless superpower. So it's really up, you know, to the to the givers, uh, uh, you know, like an editor or a creator, their their opportunity to be creative. So uh, with that, I don't want to put you right in the spot, Randall, but we are going to put you in the spot. But we're going to let you think about that first. So Charlie, I'm going to put you in the spot what is andy's superpower okay so andy is if i'm not mistaken because you 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 brought this to my attention you showed us picture she has pictures all from the star trek cruise which april and i just got back from i'm pretty sure we met her there but it's with so many people and stuff you sometimes get names mixed up if she's the person i'm thinking of uh she's from western canada 
Uh, so when someone is in Western Canada, I bet that their superpower is they'd like to create like a bubble of like tropical weather around themselves so that when it's negative, you know, 500 degrees Celsius in, you know, Calgary or Moose Jaw or wherever, you know, uh, or the Yukon territories in the dead of January, you can be living like you're in Tahiti. So that is, uh, Andy's superpower is the power of localized weather control. Like the radius of our umbrella. Yeah, that'll work. Why not? That'll keep you warm. There you go. And if I'm not thinking of the right person, Andy, I apologize, but this is how much time I had to research this information. But you know what? Andy, regardless, have fun with it. We're glad to have you on board. Um, we wouldn't. It wouldn't be possible without people uh, like you on our Patreon. So thank you very much. Yes, uh, Andy, really appreciate it. I did some sleuthing. I hope you're the right person that we found. Um, but if you know, by all means, we want to get to know you better. So join our Discord, and you got an, should get an invite. But we'll send out a message to make sure you get the invite. So you join our Discord, so you can be part of the conversation because you get a lot more benefits and more will be coming your way as a top tier patron. So uh, my superpower for Andy is, and you know, this this bases on if you drink or not. My superpower for you, Andy, is someone always buys you a drink at the bar. If it's that's, that, you know, not an alcoholic, that's handy on a cruise because those drinks are pricey. Like exactly, pricey it's not though. just one. It's not just limited to one drink. It could be like the whole right. night if your if, if right. your superpower is really kicking and jiving. But at least one drink you get for free. Drinking powers, I love it. It's good. Okay, Randall, you heard both Charlie's and I's. I would say mine is a little bit more superfluous. Charlie's is a little bit more practical. Um, maybe you can okay. blow us away. Well, I mean, I was kind of, you know, as soon as I heard Canada, I was going to the temperature control route. So I'm, I'm envisioning Andy more as like an X-Men with a mutation rather than a superpower. So to manifest like moose blubber and moose hair when needed. So snap of a finger, turn into <laughs> like a moose. Like Tusk, that oh, yes. great Kevin Smith film. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was oh, that was a weird one. Like uh, was it? Um, it was Sasquatch, right? Uh, he was the famous Alpha Flight member oh, who could turn right. into a Sasquatch. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. The whole Claremont Burn Run, yeah. But you're yeah, a moose Alpha. instead. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Why not? A moose, a moose seems moose seems much more innocuous. I mean, are, are, unless moose are like hippos and they're like they're the second deadliest. I don't know, Charlie. Water. Moose are huge and they can trample yeah. people. So, so Andy will be antlore. Yeah. Antlore. Oh boy, antlore. this has really gone off the rails. But. Uh, again, and just to really highlight really quick, our other uh, great Patreons, especially in the Best Friends Forever level, we've got the Nias family, Sean, Stella, and Henry, and then we have your friends and mine, uh, Missy Merchant, who records with us pretty frequently here. Uh, and just a super quick shout out, Best Buds level, that would be Jamie Prinky, great friend of mine and of Missy's. But on the friend zone level, we usually give shout outs to our intro tier. Um, but joining up this week is our first nepotism hire. This would be my Uncle Tim, Timothy Haran III of South Haven, Michigan. Uh, he's my mother's oldest of her four brothers. Mailed me a check because he wanted to join our Patreon. So I joined Patreon in my name and I put his check in the bank. And now I have to, not, now the money will be distributed to the boys slowly over a year. But my uncle Tim has always been a supporter of mine since my uh, youngest years as a writer, when I was a kid, a writer and an artist always uh, supported me. And like I said, he's the first person in any of our families to step forward and be a part of this adventure with us. So I am very enthused. Thank you, uncle Tim. I love you. And I will have to show you how to, 
listen to podcasts because I'm not sure that that's something that you're familiar with, but we'll find out. Burn him a CD of the podcast, really. Send it to him. <laughs> He's good to go. <laughs> Oh boy, and that's no, that's really cool. But yeah, we're really happy. But um, speaking of things that are old timey, oh, this almost matches my uncle Tim's age because this is a comic cover from 1946. Uh, he, he's not quite that old. Um, from Marvel Comics, nascent Marvel. Was this still timely? Timely, comics? timely comics. Yeah, still timely. This was all winners comics number 19 uh, fall issue. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, give an audible on this one because I much prefer the all losers comics. Uh, I think the edgers were, <laughs> I think the stories were a little more edgy, but uh, this is, this is the invaders, uh, which I remember this was Captain America and Bucky's um, team during world war two. This, this is post-world war two, Charlie, actually. It's, 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 it's post-world war two. Yeah. But um, there was so this would have been Cap of the late forties. So this would not be Steve Rogers. Cap nope, I can, I can give Bucky. you the roster. So yeah, Submariner. A the Submariner. And I, I the love this. Submariner. Do you know what Submariner's real name is? Namor McKenzie. Did not know he had a last name. Uh, that's fun. I, I knew that. I knew that. Oh, that's, I did not I know did. that. Blame. Okay, Captain, Captain America, William Nasland. Beck right. Bucky, Fred Davis. Human right. Torch, uh, who is the Human android Torch. at the time. Yep. Right. Toro, who actually looks like Namor Jr. for some reason, because he's like yeah. not wearing anything. What? Yeah. yeah, so that's that's Thomas Raymond Toro and Miss America, Madeline Joyce, and Wizard Robert Frank. So there Wizard, you go. Wizard, not wizard, which is what it sounded like you said. The wizard, not super super running powers, had uh, super incontinence issues. Thus, the wizard. I know that. I know. Yeah, I know. I don't think be all are. winners with him yeah. on that. Team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. So so who is the least winner of the all winner squad? Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'll go with the wizard just because of that name, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this this was a this this comic's crazy because it's got like nine stories in it for you know whatever the price was at the time. As an editor, you had to put like yeah. if you had put like seven stories in one comic every month, you would be pulling your no, hair. No, no, out. this was this was the fall issue. This is a quarterly publication. Oh, okay, okay, yes, but still, eight. that's 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 a lot right. of stories that's in one quarter. It's a lot of work for five cents or less, and then somebody read it and threw it in the trash. Yeah, uh, which is why now it's worth seventy-five million dollars. I, I have no idea. No idea what it's yeah. worth. If yeah. it exists, I, I, I love this. I don't know who the bad guy is, but Raymond, if you had one takeaway from this cover, what would it be? Oh, sorry. Oh, Randall. Sorry, I said Raymond. <laughs> I was thinking of. I was thinking of one of the characters from the comic. You know, let me just pull it up again to say I just. I, uh, I'm going to look at that cover and just say my takeaway is there's going to be something very culturally insensitive going on with that. Uh, 100%. So. Yes. I believe the guy wearing a mask would be of Asian descent and yes. uh, words that I will not speak could appear within that a blank man or a word that starts with O. <laughs> so there yeah. you go. <laughs> Yes, yes. Let's yeah, let's not go there. Um, oh well, uh, if you know you're interested in defining what the deep secrets of this comic are, check it out. I don't even know where you could actually find this. I don't even know if Timely Comics are in the Marvel Comic App. If they are, oh, in, let in us MU? know. That's yeah. it's worth it's uh it's worth checking out. But Todd, wait a second now. I know who's going to be able to give us this information. That's probably our senior news correspondent. I'm talking about Madam Webb at 123 years young. She's down at the corner of Hollywood and Vine in Good Old Los Angeles, where I just came back from. She's got the latest scoops and news. Let's go check her out right now. 
Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Madam Webb, I believe that you did submit uh, one of your original uh, original creations to an editor back in the day. I believe it was for the monthly crotchety old person. That's the actual official name of the the uh, the the publication. Uh, you were denied because apparently you were not crotchety or grumpy enough. So work on that. Wow. Some good critical feedback. Get more grumpy. Can't be that hard. You can do it. You can do it. Oh, my goodness. Well, some sad news to get us rolling. Uh, just in the last few days, we saw the passing uh, of actor Lance Reddick, uh, whose face and name you will readily know from uh, acting roles from Destiny to Rick and Morty. Oh, Todd, you grabbed this from some video game site, didn't you? Uh, so, <laughs> Well, this is the voice so acting what, work, but, he, but he's most known yes. probably for The Wire. He's also known right. for uh, Fringe, John Wick, other things right. where his when he comes in, he's a person you're like, wow, he controls yeah. the room. And he, and he just did the a Resident Evil series on Netflix, too. Oh, gotcha. He was, uh, that movie, The Guest, he was great on. Uh, oh, gotcha. There was a uh, recently tweeted photo, and it would have been just within the last two months, of him and LeVar Burton at the uh, premiere of Star Trek uh, Picard Season 3, Big Trekker. So what a uh, what a loss to, to, you know, not only obviously for all the obvious stuff, but he would have been so incredible in anything Star Trek related. That would have been amazing. Um, but, yeah, the first article that I read did not give a cause of death. Uh, no. And, and per- perhaps they still do not, which is, you know, that's fine. I respect that family's privacy. But, um, yeah, that what a shame. Age 60 is, especially with Todd and I both pushing 50, that seems very, very young to us at least. So there's no doubt. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he is really well known for his voice acting work. I mean, he's like he's an iconic voice. He uses it appropriately. One of my favorite games of all time, Logan's favorite games of all time is Destiny. He plays Zavala, one of the uh, biggest names of that game, and he's been in part of that game for eight years, and it's a living game, so he's constantly doing more voice work for it. Uh, and it's amazing. He's also been Horizon Forbidden West, John Wick Hex, Quantum Break, Payday 2, and then just a bunch of the voices he does for animation. Legend of Vox Machina, uh, Paradise PD, uh, Castlevania, DuckTales, that re- retake on, on DuckTales, Rick oh, and Morty. My. Uh, yeah, and you actually even played Falcon in the Avengers Earth Monday series, which I think is one of the best Avengers animated series of all time. Oh, yeah. I remember bits and pieces of that myself. That's wild. Well, what a shame. Uh, rest in peace to a wonderful talent. So, Todd, what do we got up next? Frankenstein. Oh, isn't it, is that one of those that, it, that it's now public domain? So we're going to start seeing a you know, Frankenstein rom-com and different stuff. Is that what this is? Is this it's been, it's Del Toro been, doing it's a rom-com? Been, it's, so Frankenstein, and, and, and Randall, you probably know a little bit more about the public domainness of things, but uh, Frankenstein has been public domain for forever, I think, it feels like. Right, some time now, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and with that, yes, you can do essentially, uh, you know, I don't know if there's actually a Mary Shelley family foundation, I don't think there is, where they make money off of this property anymore, but essentially anyone can do anything they want with Frankenstein. That's why you get so many takes on it. It's free license, and everyone has essentially tried Frankenstein, a Frankenstein story, even if it's not just the big monster with bolts, it's a different take right. of like a re- the reanimator, things like that. Now we've got Guillermo right. Toro stepping in. He's going to be making a film for Netflix. And the cast he's got lined up for this is pretty phenomenal. He's got wow, Andrew Garfield, yeah. Oscar Isaac, and Mia Goth. It's going to be live action. Oh, Mia Goth. Um, yeah. And the, well, I guess they're rumored to be casted in this. But, I mean, Guillermo de Coro's right. won two Oscars <clears throat> now. So he can yeah. essentially get anybody he wants. And yeah, give me, give me, he did... Me. 
Yeah, and he did very well with Pinocchio, which won an Oscar for Netflix. So it's a good relationship, and Guillermo Toro feels like he can do things that he wants without with a lot of money and zero interaction. So this could be very cool. So, Randall, um, I don't know if you get a lot of pitches for Frankenstein. I know DC, that is one of their characters that is going to be oh, part right. of their um, like their new pitch with James Gunn. So w- what do you think of you oh, know yeah. all the different takes on Frankenstein? I mean, I, I've always been obsessed with Frankenstein. Like, uh, also in early age, I was just really into the universal monsters, uh, particularly and Frankenstein. It was like, like my gateway to that. So I'm all for any sort of, you know, interpretation and just in the back of my head. Now, when I think about something else that seems to be like, there's like 40 Amityville movies every year. And now I think there needs to be an Amityville Frankenstein. Uh, uh, oh boy. There you go. I might start pitching that somewhere. Uh, but <laughs> Anytime Guillermo del Toro is touching something, it's going to be delightful. So this is obviously one I'm really excited for. By the way, if you've not seen it, look for the trailer of Amityville in space. Yep. It is like the lowest budget <laughs> film in the world. It It's great. It's by the people who made Cocaine Shark, which is a real movie yep. that's coming out because of, you know, or no, Meth Shark, I believe. Shark, yes, I think it's Meth Shark, yeah. They'll get around to Cocaine Shark. Then you'll have... Mer- then you'll have marijuana shark, and he'll just be like, "Hey, man, gonna, <laughs> like, you got another bag of Doritos?" Yeah. Well, he gets so lazy, he stops to swimming, and he dies. Right? Sharks oh, yeah. constantly move. Yeah. Weed shark coming from the Sci-Fi Channel. Watch out. Yeah. So I, I don't know when this is coming, oh, uh, but this could be really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's guy. So on Netflix, Netflix exclusive, huh? So yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's see here. Let's see here. So, oh, Todd, people have a lot of feelings about Quentin Tarantino. Uh, but now we're getting the Elton John slashed Billy Joel slash the Eagles slash. This is my final thing. Uh, final film will be called The Movie Critic and start shooting this fall. Are there going to be some movie critics uh, in this murdered with flying blood squibs everywhere? I mean, that is kind of his shtick. So uh, what do we got? Yeah, so uh, Quentin Tarantino said he wants to stop making movies before he basically becomes a hack. Old, you know, kind of does things for paychecks, becomes less inspired, uh, gets more in a comfort zone. You know, I mean, he, he could do it. Spielberg didn't make a movie about himself. You know, why not? Because, you know, that's the ultimate, like, dealing with your personal that, issues that, is making a movie that, about yourself. That'll, that'll be his big comeback. Watch yeah. out. Yeah, so th- this is his 11th film, and he says this is his final film, and there's been nobody was sure what this would be and that now it's basically tying it up the fact that it's going to be called the movie critic and it's going to be focusing on uh her name is pauline kyle um she died in 2001 but essentially she was one of the most inf- influential critics and she actually went out to la in the 70s at the behest of of warren Beatty to write for hollywood she oh, did not wow. enjoy that experience whatsoever. And so then she left again. But it's more about what probably going to be more like a biopic with Quentin's uh, thoughts on it. And this is kind of a cool take because he typically is only doing outlandish things. So maybe this is his right. quiet, more perspective, introspective look at a, a creator that he admired. Because that's where he came from the lens of he worked at a video store. He was probably into right. film criticism. So this kind right. of makes sense um, that he would look back on his own influences and try to do something in this realm. He's an even darker 
side of the coin flip from Kevin Smith, who was another indie director who hit it big at the exact same time, you know, different coasts, uh, setting things, uh, you know, with you know, kind of drawing from their own experience and setting things in their own backyard. So much of Tarantino's work is set in Southern California. So much of, uh, Kevin Smith stuff is set right there in the garden state, your backyard, Randall. Um, oh, oh, no, and, uh, lifelong Kevin Smith fan. Uh, I was, yes. I was on his chat board like from a very early age. Chat board. That's awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, Tarantino's work in recent years. I mean, Todd, Pulp Fiction was a transformative film of our youth. You know, we were just into college. People were blowing up about it. Um, but what goes up must come down. I don't know that he ever, though he did. Did he go, go on to a little bit more critical acclaim with like, what was it? The Hateful Eight or something. Like he had some different films, Django Unchained, some yeah. things. Did those achieve critical success in, in other ways that I'm just not thinking well, of? Well, what's about a time in Hollywood is, is, yeah, Glorious Bastards, uh, Once Upon a yeah. Time in Hollywood did very well, critically. And people are yeah. coming around, back around to that film and saying it's much better than people originally uh, assumed it was or, well, or made some uh, exceptions. And yeah. Todd, that was one you really didn't care for because you've seen it and I have the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, I don't remember. I remember you saying you thought it was kind of, yeah, and, but I should watch it. I know it's out there on streamer, so I should probably take a peek. I think it, I've appreciated it more the longer it's lasted it was the hateful eight that i felt like it was did not deliver on the premise that was just fantastic and it built in the last part of the movie it was like you're really you're, Self, you're, you're you're hateful about the eight well self-indulgent yeah. was probably the best term for that a lot of his movies lately it's been like i love yeah, these yeah. things and i'm going to show you why i love these things and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but i think it's really good so you know with randall with being someone in creative realm with tarantino um where do you feel like where you're at with tarantino you know i have definitely have a, a love-hate relationship with him to a degree like uh there's so many things I absolutely adore, and um, and like, and I. It's funny, like I didn't like *Inglorious Bastards* the first time I saw it. Now I put it up there as one of his best films, and I, wow. it's one of the ones I want to keep going back to. Um, so, you know, *The Hateful Eight, I was really not a fan of. I think, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I get a little too uh, social justicey, where I feel like he's taken too many liberties with the. Uh, with his fascination with certain words that white people right. shouldn't say. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, right. I think there's a, a, a little bit too much uh, sexual violence uh, against black men and, you know, uh, uh, caused by black men that I'm seeing. Uh, it's, I think it's weirder than his foot fetish, where his foot fetish oh. is kind of mild uh, comparatively. So, oh my you know, god! Same time, I you know I love him, and he makes some amazing movies, and he's you know he's really smart, and I really want to read his uh, you know book that just came out last fall, Son of Speculation. I heard it's pretty phenomenal in the way he talks about the movies he grew up loving, and I do love that 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 passion he has for for cinema of all kinds, like both, you know, like highbrow and lowbrow and kind of making the case that there is no lowbrow. If you, you love it, there's a reason you love it. And that justifies it being, you know, being worth gotcha. discussion. Yeah. I think when we look back at Tarantino, he's going to be probably most known as a career regenerator and in introducing mm -hmm. actors uh, that we didn't really know about, like Christoph Waltz. I mean, think about that guy. Nobody really right. knew who he was before in Inglorious Bastards, and he's created right. a, in John Travolta, Samuel Jackson. I mean, 
yeah, he 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 definitely right. cultivates those things that um, are are have been really cool to our culture. So yeah, we I mean, shall see if he delivers in this one. Back out, yeah. like and, and, well, yeah. and Pam Grier, like Jackie Brown's another. I still love yeah. that movie so much. Oh, I, but I, I'll bet I haven't seen that one since it came out. What would you lay odds that he actually like? I'm all done with the and he ever come. He never comes back. If he never comes back, he, then he pulls a poochie and he just I died on my way back to my home planet. We never hear from him again. What do you think? Odds odds out of ten. I would say like, it's funny when you talk about him versus Kevin Smith. I feel like Quentin could say it and actually do it. Where if Kevin Smith ever said, "I'm making my final film," I wouldn't believe it for a second. And I think no, nope, right. he'd be back he's, in two years. He's so. never, he's I could never see turn to me doing it, being like, "I'm done." Wow. You know, like, wow. um, so I'm gonna yeah, give him he- that. Yeah, I think this it's a higher confidence because he said there's things he wants to do. He wants to write, um, and he's also directed TV. So he potentially could find TV as his new medium versus oh. just movies. Yeah, I mean, TV is explosive. So you would give it like a 8 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 that he's fairly legit. Sure. Interesting, too. Yeah, I could go with that. Cool, good deal. Oh, my God. Well, Todd, I'm headed to Vegas this uh, fall. You, John, and I, uh, our other secret friend, are planning on a boys weekend there early next year, probably in January. Um, I don't know if we're going to go check this out. There's supposed to be a themed escape room around the film It opening <laughs> Las Vegas this fall. Wow. I, uh, yeah, I just don't see it. I just, you know, and I've done escape rooms once or twice. I mean, it's a fad, you know, I like it. It's somewhat stressful. Um, I think I got out of the one I did. I think maybe the other one I did, we didn't get out in time. Todd, have you ever tried one? I've done one. It was a very simple one, not stressful. It was just more yeah. of like solve a mystery, get out of the room. Um, yeah. and I, I don't know. I, I think this one sounds neat because having the stress of a murderous nightmare clown, forcing you that's extra motivation i don't like that motivation but it is motivation i don't know randall do you, do you like to be motivated by scary murderous clowns i mean i'm just really thinking is this going to be like based on the book and the only way to get out is for you guys to all have sex with each other because oh that, okay Ooh, that's a hard pass choose your cat choose your team wisely then <laughs> yeah exactly. yeah. i mean they always Me? leave that out of the film adaptations that these kids all did that so i want yeah me and seven supermodels I don't know. Okay, let's yes, go. Yes, yes, don't don't go with a family reunion, folks. Don't do yeah. that. Oh, boy. Yeah, no matter, even if you're from someplace where that kind of thing is okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, spanning over 30,000 square feet, the escape room will have more than 20 interactive rooms. Oh, this thing is, like, really enormous. Uh, where That's fans huge, start- and it's probably going to be a long, yeah. uh, probably longer than normal. Fans will search for clues that will help them fight off Pennywise, the dancing clown. This this seems very niche to me, uh, but uh, because I think it would just overall be scary as hell. But I have to make sure April knows about this. So this opens in the fall. We're going to be there in August, so I guess we're going to miss it. But Todd, it'll be there by the time for our boys' weekend. We'll, we'll, we'll see. John's working on the itinerary already and our t-shirts and everything. So I'll make sure he knows about this. We'll put the apparently it's already open. Oh, well, this says open. Uh, I went to the website. I went to the website um, oh, and it's God. there if you want to look at it. Yeah. So it's there to go anytime. Um, enjoy. Um, sure. Anyway. <laughs> oh, well, let's let's go from one event that I don't think any of us are excited about to something that 
to me seems amazing. So uh, I don't know if everyone's been keeping up with X-Men. They've had their, you know, the the Krakoan event and everything. But one of the things that's come out of that is the Hellfire Gala, which is the premier event in the Marvel Universe for all the fancies from all the different parts, the Fantastic Four, the Mutants, uh, Avengers, anybody who's anybody in the Marvel Universe can attend the Hellfire Gala. It's held by the White Queen and it's very fancy. And it's they've had special issues that highlighted it, and they've had events around it. But now they're actually making it real to life. It's actually going to be a D23, something you can actually attend. I hope there's a dress code, because it would be really bad to see a bunch of people looking fancy. Guy shows up in sweatpants and flip-flops and <laughs> shit happens t-shirt. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, the T-shirt's not wrong, but uh, so this is going to be the when is San Diego? That's in July. Okay, gotcha. Well, that's fun because I mean, cons have have you know this show. I'm sure in particular, Todd. I know you went back in 2010 or 2011. Cons in particular, and uh, cons in general, and this one in particular, are are kind of weird. The ones that are big and showy because so much of our lives certainly during COVID and post COVID has become so virtual that it's like and, and then. You can go to a local con if you want to buy things, you want to do this thing and that thing. So the shopping aspect of it is is potentially more diminished because you can buy things online or whatever. But the, uh, the the theatrical experience, you know, the experience part of it, they've really got to ramp things up to keep things cranking. So this sounds like an amazing time. And, and again, only be, I'm only aware of, you know, the Hellfire Gale and everything somewhat periphery based on what I see here and then what, you know, Todd, what you've been talking about all the live long while this has been going on for the last couple of years. But I think this is fantastic. I think this is a chance to be a great success. Yeah. Randall, have you been following any of this or uh, what's been going on with Hellfire Gala? Uh, I, too, only know it from the periphery. I've fallen behind on almost all my Marvel stuff, but I, you know, I absolutely love every time I see one of the costumes being posted. Uh, uh, you know, I just think it's, this is such a great way to embrace the cosplay aspect of shows and really allow people to just kind of get incredibly creative and, and a little bit freaky. And I would, can't wait to see what comes of this. Yeah, they did like a, uh, uh, they did individual panels, I believe, in an issue where they basically said this is what everybody shows up and they throw the dress. Because it's kind of like when you see your coworkers every day and then you see them outside of work and they're all dressed. We're like, oh, you you clean up pretty good. I'm assuming the Marvel Universe is similar. Like, oh, you you, you clean up pretty good there, Storm. And wearing her uh, Janet Jackson attire or whatever. She's in that little yeah. photo. And Mr. Senator, yeah. where he's got like a shirt that's still see-through with buttons down the middle. It's like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man in a Spider-Man tux. What would a Spider-Man tux look like? Kind of the suit coat with the webs. I don't know. I think it'd be a great look. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you can go to this uh, July 22nd in San Diego Comic-Con. It's part of D23 within Comic-Con. So I'm glad they're doing these type of big over-the-top events. Um, So the people that attend have something special they can take away. Um, And I will definitely be interested to see how they pull it off. Will they have people dressed up in, like, hero costumes and villain costumes in the attire, along with Mm -hmm. just normies who dress up, you know, kind of like this is – because most – conventions they have like after hour events which are kind of like the dance the dance party and things like that so this could be a lot of fun probably going to be sold out like as soon as tickets go on sale though absolutely yeah well good for them that's awesome well that takes us out of the news time to bid madam web adieu and get out that fuber app that feeble uber app we got to get down to the geek easy uh the poor service and watered down drinks await for us to talk about things that we're watching and enjoying this week, so let's go. 
Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. Presenting the Geek Easy, drinks are poured, and we are getting our nerd on. So, Randall, what have you been reading, watching, or writing in the world of nerd? Yeah, let's 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 start with reading. Uh, on the book front, I just started uh, the the Fright Night Origins novel. It's uh, more or less a retelling of the original Fright Night movie by Tom Holland and Tom Ooh. Holland wrote this, but it's setting up a new trilogy of Fright Night books, and so. Ooh. I'm enjoying that. Uh, on the comic side, I just read the uh, Mark Russell's uh, Snagglepuss Chronicles because uh, I've uh, I, I heard enough great things about it, and I had just read Mark Russell's uh, One Star Squadron, which I kind of think is one of the <laughs> best mini series DC has put out in ages. It was just phenomenal. So now I'm just like I'm going to read everything he's done. So I went and picked up the uh, Snagglepuss Chronicles, which takes his Hanna Barbera character and makes him kind of like Tennessee Williams during the Red Scare fifties. It's oh my gosh, that's yeah, wild. Those, <laughs> oh, I was going to say those Hanna Barbera DC like uh, fresh takes, like Fred Flintstone and the Flintstones. Uh, okay. They're so crazy. I remember reading a couple with my son, and it's just like this is so bizarre that they would do this, but it was kind of cool. I, I know it's, it's shocking that they're, you know, Hanna Barbera would be like, yes, reinterpret the characters these way, um, but it works. It really works. Wow, that's wild, crazy. Yeah. Anything my else? Uh, let's see. Well, watching. Uh, just finally got around to watching uh, the most recent Cronenberg movie, uh, Crimes of the Future. So I'm Ooh. still like digesting Ooh. that. Uh, <laughs> you said digesting that Cronenberg? Kind of, That's poor yeah, choice of words. <laughs> oh, no, it's the perfect choice for Cronenberg. Uh, and on the TV side, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a rewatch of The Office with my kid and on my own. Well, what, what did I, what am I doing? Oh, I just playing, playing catch up. Like I, fell off on Atlanta when they had that long gap between seasons two and three. So I just watched seasons three and four and that was amazing. Was, there's an episode in season four, which I think is one of like the greatest moments in television history to build it up. But uh, it's yeah. So Atlanta. And- that's awesome. I've meant to get around to that show because I love Donald Glover as well. So that's cool. Yeah. And Damn. is it Byron, Brian Tyree? Is also yeah. on that show, and he's yeah. he's great in everything. Yeah, yeah. and Lakeith Stanfield, he's a great one. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. Uh, um, Sorry to bother you, film a few years ago. Oh, that's- yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally did. Yeah, that was a great flick. Oh my goodness, cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so before we leave, though, I, I want you to talk about your book, though, because uh, that's how I found you. Is I, you said, hey, I've got my new book coming out. And I, I loved it. And I talked about it on the show a couple of weeks ago. And it was funny because you put that out there. And as soon as you did, guess who retweets at you and says, yeah, I read James Gunn. This is awesome. What? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll never have that sort of engagement to a tweet ever again. But uh, <laughs> weird Critical. to see like, you know, like 170,000 engagements from a single tweet when I'm usually around 40. But, uh, you know, it was it was great. I just one of those sort of silly take my shot things to tweet at James Gunn to say, like, you should have this in your writer's room and to see him re- reply that he's already read it. I'm like, all right, great. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I had a, it's that book. for better or worse changed my life uh i was approached by running press this company to write it they 
someone recommended me to them because they had this idea to do a book called the DC Book of Lists. And they're like, we don't know necessarily what it would be, but what do you think of it? And I started brainstorming what I thought it would be. And then, then they said, oh, yeah, this would be great. Let's do it. And so like my no, everything from my original pitch was in there. I'm like, well, we're going to have a list of the people who trained Batman. We're going to have a list of uh, like a, a chronological order of Suicide Squad members who died on missions. We're going to have a list of superheroes with tattoos. We're going to have a list of cats. Um, just every little silly thing I think of, different types of kryptonite, uh, Harley Quinn's side hustles. Like, and, uh, and then it just, I don't know, it kind of just became a monster of its own because I, I knew that there was no way that you could ever have like, no matter what, I'm going to do a list and I'm going to miss something because in like 85 years of DC history, it's never right. going to be perfect. So then I'm just like, how do I make it personality driven to just kind of sustain it? And so have people not be upset if I'm missing something in it. And so that's what I did. I just kind of went really ridiculous as I could. And I, I mean, not, not well, I can't really, it, it's a book of lists, so there's no spoilers, but I was just like shocked that they both running press and dc because it's licensed by them let me uh put in the blueprints to wonder woman's invisible jet so it's just that sounds like an easy one yeah (laughs) like let's just have a blue piece of paper with the different uh, labels for the parts but no actual drawing of a plane and the fact that they let me do that i'm like okay yeah this is great well great now the chinese government has access to her blueprint thank you thank you randall we're in trouble Oh boy, that's coming over the next batch of spy balloons. Watch out! Yeah. So, quick question: So, did you have a point person at DC who kind of like fact checked you, or 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 they they had to stamp everything approved or not approved? Yeah, there is. uh, You know, with multiple people over there review it, um, and with a project like this because it was so expansive. uh, Yeah, multiple people, you know, fact checked me, and for the most part. I mean, it went well, There's, you know, <laughs> I wish I'd kept notes because when I had to go back to actually try to verify things for them, I found myself doing the research all over again. And there, mm-hmm. and there were a couple of times I'm like, you know, there's a list of the Joker's crimes and there's like, where'd you get this one? I'm like, I know it's in a comic, but I cannot find that comic again. <laughs> oh, um, no. sorry, take my word for it. And they're like, OK, fine. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm glad they did. <laughs> yeah. and, there's, uh, and of course, things slip slip through. Uh, also, I wrote this during the first three months of the pandemic uh, on top oh, of gosh. a full time job. At the at the time, uh, I was a, a marketing director at a book company. Uh, and so trying to steer an entire department into a brand new reality, getting off work, trying to manage the kid adapting to uh, virtual schooling and then. Mm finding hours at night and in the early mornings to research and write this. It was, it was kind of hard, but uh, I got through it. And yeah. Wow. And, but well, you could write a book about that experience. <laughs> well, there you go. I said you could write a book about that experience. <laughs> I, I really could. But uh, then the, I just had such a joyous experience working with the people at running press between the editor and the designer. And I, and it reminded me how much I liked making books because I did start my career as an editorial assistant. And so I told them, I'm like, if you guys ever have an opening for an editor, I want to come work for you. And a few months later, they did. And so I just kind of said goodbye to my marketing job and went to go make the sort of books that I you know, would like to read at Running Press. And that's how I'm there now as an editor because of Book of Lists. Any, wow. any projects you want to talk about that are coming out? 
I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's fun. I, my biggest DC one, I don't necessarily want to talk about just because we're in the middle of trying to retitle it. So like I would tell you about it and see, you know, it's the pre-order is live. It's, it's, it's going to be a fun little book, but in the next week or two, it's probably going to have a new title. So I'd rather not <laughs> go uh, create any confusion with that one. Um, but, you know, I, well, they, you know, I do so much with Warner Brothers and it's all different facets. I got a couple of Game of Thrones projects coming out. Uh, one is like a trivia deck. So it's like, you know, 200 trivia cards about Game of Thrones and a little book. Oh my goodness. Trivia. Um, Seinfeld, we got another one. Actually, I mean, I can hold that up. Uh, oh, that's cool. The Z Guide and Trivia deck that comes out in May. Oh, oh boy. That would be great. Uh, I, the very first thing on my new career was uh, with a, uh, we have a vast partnership with Turner Classic Movies, and so we did this book called "But Have You Read the Book" by Kristen Lopez, and it's her <laughs> looking about at you know f- books that were adapted into the films, and instead of you know leaning on the argument that you know the book is always better, it's looking at how there's strengths in both mediums and mm-hmm. how the books complement each other, and it's such a fun little gifty book. So I get that, to work that, on every day. That's a great one because that's such a such a tired trope like oh god the book was better you know what better is so very subjective and again to try to compare a book versus a film or a television show and and medium said it's 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 apples and oranges so i i deride people like i just remember when i was a kid my mother and my brother were such big tom clancy fans and then the sum of all not the sum of all fears but patriot games came out with harrison ford oh my god it was so stupid because the book blah 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 this thing and that thing and i'm like so I'm yeah. stupid for enjoying it. I just, I hate that kind of stuff that, that really drives me up the damn wall. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I was going to say one more thing before you go, before we move to the next one, Randall, I see you have something elf behind you. That is hilarious. I, see that too. I love oh, it. I actually just Ooh. bought this. this I, I, I saw it and I couldn't not get it. It is an is it a bus action figure. Uh, oh yes. Oh. NECA. From NECA, you can't yeah, really NECA does a lot of those. In the way it's displayed, but he comes with a, a cat in a sandwich. Like, it's just a cat. <laughs> and that was the reason I bought it. I'm like, this is amazing. They made a cat sandwich figure. Uh, yeah. I love I love what NECA does. The only figure I'm a huge figure collector, as you can see, but my st- largely my stuff is Hasbro, Star Wars, and GI Joe, and and uh, Marvel. But uh, the NECA figures we have in the house are actually in the living room because they're my wife. She loves horror stuff. We have a couple yeah. different versions of nice. Pennywise. We have a uh, we. I was going to say we have a Freddie Mercury. We have the <laughs> Freddie Krueger. Sure. <laughs> uh, we have that uh, actually. We have, <laughs> we have Chucky uh, still in the box, like a little. Box Chucky, the my buddy. There, I mean, they they really they make nice stuff. But it's like now that I have some more space here, you know, I could I could look at additional things, but I, I probably really shouldn't. But now I have space uh, to do it, so that that is awesome. I love it. All right, are we moving along? We good? Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing, Randall. And yeah, let us know though what your next thing is, and we'll let and we'll share Please. that with everyone else. Absolutely. Oh, well, I, I mean, I can say like yes, the next book I wrote is. A uh, it's a tie-in to the Flash movie, and it's oh, uh, ooh, nice. Flash Vis- uh, I don't remember the title. Uh, I think it's called the Flash Visual Encyclopedia, but it's from the page to the screen. It's, it's about Barry Allen's comic origins, uh, er, you know, the making of the new film, and also just kind of celebrating Sweet. the multiverse aspect of the Flash. Excellent. 
Well, very cool. I did hear, though, that Tom Cruise actually called up DC or Warner Brothers to say that The Flash is like fantastic. So we're hearing all the good things about this movie. So hopefully it plans oh, out after goodness. all of the craziness before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, I'm very excited. Cannot wait to see. Certainly, certainly for pe- for men of our ilk, we saw the trailer yesterday when we were seeing this movie. I'm going to talk about uh, we care about Michael Keaton as Batman. We just, uh, my wife was like. My wife and I are the same age, which means we were 13 the summer that Batman 89 came out. And it was both our, even though we didn't know each other for decades later, it was both, we both loved that experience so much. So that is awesome. Okay. Well, I went to the movies yesterday and uh, very pointedly uh, said, just for some reference, I mentioned this before, our local theater chain has one of these, subscribe to our VIP program and you can go see three films, uh, 2D, 3D, or IMAX a week, no matter what. So we go see whatever. We go see the big movies, like we went and saw Shazam on Thursday. And we were on a cruise recently, so we missed Cocaine Bear. And then, Todd, what did we talk about last week? Creed 3 and Scream 6. So we had to slam all those in last week. And so now we're back a more even keel. We saw Shazam. But then we went to go see 65, which was the dinosaur movie with Adam Driver. And, uh, you know, a lot a lot of the, the premise of it, and, and April and I were talking as we were walking out, I'm like, I didn't get the premise of the fact that he's 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 an alien from another planet. That's that that's I missed that out of the trailer. Oh, really? I yeah, would not said, okay, either. Good. good. It wasn't just me because April said, no, I that was in the trailers. Yeah, he's an alien from another planet. Um, he is uh, basically he's a bus driver. He's driving a long haul expedition uh, of uh, cryogenically frozen people, which this is again part of which makes no sense. Um, and it's it's it, it's this is great when the credits roll. It's a cast of four people, and then all the stunt performers. That's Whoa. it. Four people. I can scarcely remember a movie that has four cast members. Um, only two of which have any actual function in the story beyond you know so adam driver's character whose name is mills like general mills uh is driving this bus and but he's he took this long haul job so that he could pay for the medicine because his daughter is sick it's like trope city so he's on this long haul it's two years and right near the end of it he gets woken up because his ship gets hit by an asteroid and crashes on this planet and they give it away right in the credits. You, you get this roll in where you get 65 million years ago, a ship crashed on Earth, and then the movie begins. So it's exactly that. He crashes on Earth not only during the dinosaur era, but also when the meteor, which is what he ran into, is about to hit Earth and wipe out the dinosaurs. Wow, did they plan that? <laughs> Todd, this is based on a real story you didn't know. <laughs> I, I didn't get the tomes, the ancient tomes they uncovered when they yes, found the dinosaurs 6,000 years ago. Well, that's oh, just wait. The thing. So, so naturally, because it's Trope City, there's one survivor out of all the cryopods. It's a little girl. She doesn't speak the same language as him. So she goes through the whole movie going unting and grunting. He has a universal translator, but it's broken, even though he has this, he has this fancy little tricorder device that tells him everything that's going on around him and even tells him what the asteroid tells him what the asteroid in the sky is and that it's going to hit and it's just it was trope city um but april and i and again on our patreon network april and i do a movie about 
uh, do a podcast about dumb movies called a bad time with a bad trip to the movies with the cartons that we do. We've only done one episode, but our next episode's coming up. I'm trying to get Todd to record it with us because it's one of the all time classic terrible movies we're going to talk about. Don't want to spoil it, but you don't want to miss oh, it. Come on, um, it's, 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 Randall. All I can say is. That movie's a bad time for everybody. The one that Charlie is not telling you what it is, is is all I will say. We'll spoil it for you after the podcast. So yes, absolutely. But yes, we'll we'll come to things. So Charlie, was there at least some good dinosaur shooting in this? You know what? I will say, you know, revisiting the realm of what Todd has coined as dumb fun. I think this qualified. Um, But again, April and I always have fun at the movies because we often go and there's not very many people in the theater and we can we can have fun with each other doing a little quiet riffing. Um, So this was great. Yeah, all the great plot holes. The girl doesn't speak English. Um, He doesn't have you know, he can't talk to her, even though he's got this fancy device. He's got a gun that shoots. And it never runs out of ammo unless it malfunctions. But if he taps it real hard, it'll work again. He has these little like Okoya beads they have in uh, Black Panther that are explosives. And the the yield is variable because one of them could be a huge explosion. But he gives the bag to the girl at one point when they have to split up and she dumps all of them. And she dumps like 10 of them and it makes the same size explosion instead of blowing away the entire valley. Um, So it's Trope City. Um, and uh, to spoil it, because you guys aren't going to see this, trust me. In the end, they get away at the last minute in the last surviving escape pod, and there's a rescue ship waiting, and they get rescued. Wow. I was going to ask, like, is the meteor like a surprise twist? Because that would have been amazing. It's like this whole adventure of dinosaurs, and then like meteor <laughs> destroys the earth. Roll credit. They land in it's, it's Jurassic Park. They walk up. They're petting the dinosaurs. They're she's feeding them out of a. It's like a horse. Oh my god! No, it was um, it was super dumb. Um, but but it but it, you know what? It's a fun concept and it was fun to watch. I'll give it that much. Um, and like I said, I love having this VIP program at the Celebration Centers. If you happen to live in Michigan, there there are chains everywhere. Um, where you pay twenty dollars a person a month, and then we go see all these movies and. It's it's perfect because April and I, that's we like going out. There's a couple of restaurants nearby we like and we go see a dumb movie and we have fun. And that's all that movies are really all about uh, for me. So this is very enjoyable. Um, if you're looking for a turn your brain off and you can heckle it, uh, but not too loudly if it's a crowded theater, which it won't be because April was doing the stats for me. This movie cost um, like 80 million to make. With the tax benefits, and because the, they filmed it in Louisiana and Oregon, with tax benefits, it dropped the price down to forty-five million, which sounds great. It has made globally twenty-five million. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, and that's without the marketing. But I, I, they haven't marketed right. this film, right. so Market, yeah, your marketing doubles or triples any budget. So yeah. yeah, so yeah, colossal failure. I hope Adam Driver got his money up front and didn't have any back back uh, back end deals on this because he he would have gotten he's gotten screwed if that's the case. Yeah, this is one the when the actors do the the one for me, the one for my bank. This is the one for his yeah. bank. Yeah, exactly. Like Homer Simpson with the the, uh, the 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 gas tank in the car. One for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. <laughs> this show is very replete with uh, Simpsons references. You'll never get away from that. All right. Secondly, and this we just <laughs> we watch all the episodes of this within the last like thirty six hours. So we power up HBO Max because we're going to watch something. Or sometimes we'll just search and we'll play a streaming service roulette. Well, you haven't watched something for a while in Showtime 
or on Amazon Prime. Um, so we picked, uh, it's a show from 2020, which just came back. So they had a hiatus of three, almost three years, but it's uh, Matthew Rees starring in Perry Mason, the reinvention of the classic. I, I researched it. It was a radio drama. It was a novel series. Raymond Burr really popularized it with, uh, you know, everybody's grandpa. Basically, it, grandpa and grandma watched the TV movies in the 80s and the 90s. because I think, I think he died in the early 90s because I was doing some research. Um, but Matthew Rees is great. He's from The Americans, which I loved. He was on a some kind of sitcom called Brothers and Sisters, which I know when I was wearing to my ex-wife, she loved that show. So I was familiar with him. But You want to find Charlie? Love- yes, please. He was the guy throwing the cocaine out the window. I, of the- I knew yeah. that. You I knew, knew that. that. Okay. Because yep. he's married, he's married to Carrie Russell, or at least they're uh, they're in a long term yeah. domestic partnership. So yeah. yeah, because they did that show together. The Americans was great, and the Americans is on Amazon Prime, or at least it was when we finally watched it. But this is a super great show. It's set in 1930s Los Angeles, which is great for April and I because we just got back from L.A. after having gotten off the Star Trek cruise a couple of weeks ago. So we've got kind of L.A. on the brain. We like can't wait to go back. Um, and this is really fun. So it is a murder mystery surrounded with the trial. Uh, he starts out as a very hard-boiled, down-on-his-luck detective. Uh, he's a World War One veteran who was dishonorably discharged because he was a he was a uh, uh, squad commander who flipped out and ended up walking around the battlefield and shooting his own men who were dying. It was just so, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Taz, I just went boing. <laughs> dark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a little dark. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, so he's living on his family's dairy farm in Van Nuys, California, which is very remote at that time. And he gets sucked into this plot line about a young cable who, a uh, young couple who had their baby kidnapped and subsequently found dead. And you end up seeing this so trigger warning, you end up seeing a dead baby in, in more than one shot of these, of these first eight episodes, which were season one, but it is a compelling uh, drama um, when you trace back through all the roots. So it's played out over eight episodes and that was in 2020 and season two just started three weeks ago. Hmm. You know what I mean? So we, right before we came down here, we started watching the new season, which has to do with, I think uh, you already seen the first 10 minutes of the next episode. It's a rich family ne'er-do-well who's trying to bring a baseball team to Los Angeles, but he's just, he's a scumbag and you realize things are going to really go off the rails. Sean Astin is a guest star, as I understand it in this season, which was kind of surprising to me. So I'm loving it, Todd. I know, I know noir stuff just, or kind of period piece stuff is not your jam. I know Mad Men wasn't really for you, as I recall, but. I like a good, like, I like a good detective story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then I would, I would say Todd, a show, uh, Perry Mason, watch the first episode over there on Max. But yeah, I'd like it. I recommend it. Uh, again, it's very, it's, it, it can be very graphic. So just, you know, if you're, if you're light of the stomach, I would be, I would potentially refrain it or just just be prepared but yeah i loved it i loved it and I, like i said i like matthew reese he's a welshman and you'd never know because he doesn't really no hint of an accent because all the great actors come from the uk everybody knows that but yeah that's uh that is my recommendation that's what i got very very good well i will just be covering one thing this week and that is off of the oscars um one of the winners was uh best song and that was for not to not to from rrr yeah so rrr is a movie that's been on my radar forever and you've probably if you have netflix you've probably gone past it because it's added and you see this this cool awesome sequence of a guy being chased by a tiger you're like what is this crazy movie 
And that's what this crazy right. movie is. So this is a uh, Bollywood Indian movie uh, made in 2022. It is really... It's, a, it's what I would call like a Bollywood epic. So it's really a historical story about the revolution of India from uh, the British, because the British Empire, India was part of that. Uh, and this it was more like over the top. It's almost like an American fable, like a Paul Bunyan. But this is about these two <laughs> people that were essentially behind the revolution, but it's told in a hyper-realistic, stylized, crazy wow. way. Like, I mean, you get the, the Natu-Natu in the middle of this movie um where it's essentially two two of the, these two gentlemen are, are are basically invited to the governor's estate uh to uh by this by this the governess's niece and there's dancing and well they the the, the muckety mucks make fun of uh one of the main characters uh who is uh trying to remember his name akesh trying to remember what his name is but he was brought in uh and he, they they basically they get mocked so they decided to dance in their own uh song and that's what you get not to not to it's this really hyper crazy dancing it's very bollywood wow. and it's amazing and it's like a dance-off and it's great um and then at the end of the movie you get something similar at the end it's almost like this great retelling of the history but this movie's all about two opposing people ram who is part uh of the police of india he or for the british the police state and then you get uh arkash who is essentially from the village and long story short uh this governor takes his wife to the country they find this little girl and they decided just buy her and they don't the family doesn't know that they're actually buying the girl and they take the girl so the whole plot is Uh-oh. um this this village's uh protector arkash is then sent to recover the girl that's kind of the main trope and then you've also got ram who is like i said a cop who essentially he wants to get promoted to special officer but every time he gets tries to get promoted there's obviously they're not going to promote uh, an indian officer they're only going to keep british so this was his opportunity to um capture this man who nobody knows who he is that's going to come and kill the governor because they took the daughter so they they, they go him and he basically volunteers to bring him down if he can bring in Arkesh. Um, who he doesn't know what he looks like or anything, he will be promoted to special officer. So that's kind of like the major plot, but it's got phenomenal yeah. action scenes. It is, um, it is in it's. You can select um, subtitles, but there's also Hindi language, um, oh, Indian nice. language. So it's a nice say, mix. And do you say now? You say also is it dubbed or just? Uh, it is. There is some. There no. There's actually there's actually not dubbing, which is kind of interesting because you do dubbing. hear okay. the language, but you've got American right. actors. The most famous American actor, um, um, white actor, is Ray Stevenson from Punisher, and also wow. played one of the Warriors Three from. So it's kind of interesting. I'm like, who is that guy? So, but and he's then, playing like and, the villainous, uber villainous governor, which. And the, yeah. the 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 uh, the the yeah, as say uh, could never believe that he would be in an Oscar winning film. <laughs> well, I so, mean, and this okay, one, so what's what's the RRR? Uh, that, I was trying to remember what it stands for. Each R stands for a different part, uh, and it's interesting when they open it up. They do this really cool like different segments. And they kind of like R and R and R. The first one is like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. But then they get into the actual what the R stand for. So let me look at what the actually stands for. I remember this and I forgot. Rise, Roar, Revolt. Nice. And gotcha. And yeah. it's on Netflix, huh? And it's it's a long film. I, I We watched it in several parts. I watched it with my wife. She adored it. She thought it was great. It is 
once again, it's a different type of movie making. It's not like the US. You'll say like, this is so cheesy. It's so weird. Or I can't believe that he just punched a tiger. Or he can't believe he threw a motorcycle. You just have to be in for the ride. Like I said, this is more hey, like a fable than a historical you know, retelling. People, people believe that Captain America can whip a motorcycle at a hydro tank and split it in half. So suspend oh, your disbelief. I mean, we've been trying to make it through the Banshees of Isherin, which is, again, it's Irish. I, I'm of Irish heritage. That's a very big thing in my family. And we're struggling. We're trying to watch it for the second time. And it was on Friday night in St. Patrick's Day, so it had a couple of Guinnesses and... So I guess we'll be trying again. <laughs> you have to be kind of fully engaged for that movie, Charlie. I don't think you can be yeah. like half, half and half. I, I, and I, I, when I, every time I hear that name of that movie, I always think it's the, the Banshees of Ed Sheeran, the singer. Ooh, there you go. Uh, man, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, yeah, that's his spinoff. I highly recommend RRR. It's a different type of film. It's very yeah. energetic. And after I felt that movie, I felt like so like, yeah, this is awesome. And white people suck. <laughs> well, we've, we've always known that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, that's the, uh, but anyway, well, cool. Well, that wraps us up for the Geek Easy Todd. Uh, time to get out that Air Qantas app. The land down under awaits for us. The Thunderdome is there. The mutants and Tina ready to assemble to hear us talk about Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Let's do it. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! <laughs> Thank you, Tina. The mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. And this week, we're talking Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Uh, this movie was directed by David F. Sandberg, has a PG-13 rating, uh, written by Henry Gaden, Chris Morgan, Billy, Bill Parker, stars Lucy Liu, Helen Mary, uh, Mirren, uh, Zachary Levi, and a cast of others, and um, based on a budget of about $100 million, and it's projected to do about 30 this weekend. Um, and to let everyone know where we're at with DC, uh, Randall obviously probably knows a lot more about this than we do, but at this point, we have been told um, James Gunn is a fan of this film, but we don't know where the future of Shazam lies in the future of DC. So buyer beware. But yeah. if you can if you can view this movie as a standalone and enjoy it, I think that's best uh, the best way to approach DC movies until we get those official projects. So um, with that, uh, we all saw this movie. I believe we've all seen the first one. Um, and this is is this was the first one 2019 or 2020? 2019. So it's been four years since the last film. So with that, um, Randall, what were your thoughts on the movie? I really enjoyed it. I, you know, I thought it was just kind of fun. And I mean, I hate to say low stakes, but it was just, you know, I, I enjoyed this, both movies, the silliness of them. And the fact that, you know, it's a superhero movie from DC that I can, you know, take my kid to, whereas like, I, I love everything that DC does for adults. Like I'm a big, I loved James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I love Peacemaker. I love the Harley Quinn animated series, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like, yeah, I'm a lifelong DC fan and there's, it's hard to be able to say, take the 11 year old to see something. <laughs> uh, although yeah. at this point now he's seen mm -hmm. The Suicide Squad, uh, you know, like I've, I've and he survived it. the experience. Yeah. He yeah, survived right. it. Literally yeah, he loved, all, all, I, all I got was this lousy T-shirt. <laughs> yes, but so I don't know. Like I, I thought it was just super sweet. I, I love the you know the the whole found family component. Uh, I, there needs to be more movies like it. I'm disappointed that it you know it bombed. I, I don't know you know where the blame is going to be and why, but uh, yeah, I was uh, disappointed to hear that it's only pulling thirty million this weekend. 
were were we expecting something different? I mean, I did I did I did a Twitter poll, or at least I had a conversation on our Discord or something that uh, I looked at a Twitter poll from uh, from a uh, somebody that I follow on Twitter who's a film critic or a film analyst, and the, yeah, that was the brackets. Will will it be in the thirties? Will it be in the forties? My guess was the thirties, Todd. I know you agreed with me, but what what were they saying? Were well, they saying they thought maybe 40. Uh, the first movie opened at 53. So oh, it's never good yeah. to have a sequel make, you know, potentially 20% less. That much less, yeah. And, you tough. know, we, th- we think at this point the box office is essentially people are Bounce going back. back. So it's yeah, not like definitely. it's COVID time where you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, you're seeing a billion people see Top Gun. You're seeing uh, a lot of people see other movies. So at this point, right, especially right. a PG-13 film. Yeah. That's a superhero that already had us. You think that it would be a bigger draw. I don't know right. how this is done with marketing. Um, and I don't know how much people are really paying attention to the linking together like Justice League and things with Shazam. So I yeah. don't know if there's like a stink of like things that people didn't like. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know. There, and was there potentially a stink from Black Adam? Randall, where do you sit with Black Adam? How'd you feel about that film? I was pretty underwhelmed by it. I felt it yeah, was scene same. after scene of someone saying like, uh, heroes don't kill and black Adam saying, but I'm not a hero. And I'm like, I, after the fourth time, I just kind of got tired of yeah. it. I, I loved, you know, like I loved the JSA angle and I liked all the characters and the performances, but again, it felt weird that like they weren't given a proper introduction. They were just sort of there. And yeah, yeah. Very unearned. Yeah. We were not kind about that film talking about on this program and the, uh, the, you know, Dwayne Johnson's bravada about the film. And again, I've enjoyed many of the things that he's done kind of for what they are, but, but his, um, his over the top, uh, assumptive, um, I am DC now, like, you know, like in captain Phillips, I'm the captain now that, that like, I'm the DC guy. And then it was right on James Gunn came along and just, put his foot really squarely up the rock's rear end and said, yeah. you're not, you're, you're out, you're done. You're out. You're nothing. Yeah. Um, it, so yeah, it, it makes, it makes me wonder if there's a, if there's some kind of collective stink within the fan community um, and how that trickles down to John Q movie movie goer. Who's just like, I can take my kid to this movie. So yeah, it, it, it makes me wonder just right off the top. Yeah, I, and I'm curious. I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of DC and the Justice Society. With you know, go back to um, uh, you know what we what we saw the the reemergence with uh, with this Justice Society after I believe it was Zero Hour. We got a lot of great comics with that, and part of that was uh, Black Adam and Shazam, and and how they developed those characters and made them a part of that journey. And now essentially with it, Black Adam should have been part of Shazam, should have been part of that story because he was introduced actually in the first Shazam was saying the f- you know first person he was, we, we took his powers because he abused them. And then we got the rocks. I want nothing to do with Shazam, even though you look just like Shazam, you've got a big old, uh, you know, arrow, you know, lightning bolt on your chest. And it Not to me is like, movies. Yeah. Like, exactly. So right. in this one, and I think a lot of people felt like the first Shazam was like, it felt like a, a breath of fresh air when DC was doing very dark. This is like a, just someone having fun. It's a, it's a wish fulfillment of a kid being a superhero. Um, right. And except for like that one scene where there was some deaths because the, the director of this, he does do he does do horror, so he brought a little bit of his horror sense. I think this movie did a little bit of the same thing at the opening, where mm-hmm. um, Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren, you know, whispered in the ear, and then you're like, it was kind of freaky because it was almost like a zombie yeah, outbreak. Yeah, yeah. Big so time. that was a little bit of an interesting uh, layering, but um, um, yeah, I think the, a lot of people really were happy with the first Shazam, and this one, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what happened differently because this film, I felt like it doubled down on 
the family element. Right. So, um, but I did feel like it was a little overstuffed at times. Like we've got so many characters and like right. there's the mom and dad for two seconds who get equipped. And then the, the, we've got a little bit about this brother. We found out he's gay. And then we, I mean, right. so it's like, this almost feel like it needed to be a series because then you could give yeah, every right. one of these characters their time to shine to say like, they didn't even have names. They had like Mary. And then we had the one, the one guy, uh, Freddie, who was captain every power. I thought that was clever. Yeah. You definitely. Um, and there was a there was certainly a whole lot going back and forth that some of the kids' roles were were big, some of the kids' roles were eliminated. And they took Mary Marvel and they took that lovely uh, young lady who played her, whose name is totally escaping me, and uh, they just they swapped her in for both roles. Uh, which in the first film, the adult role of Mary Marvel was played by someone else. Uh, so that was something that April picked up on right away. But again, that woman, whose name I'm forgetting, and she also appeared in uh, in Annabelle, which was hilarious because in the beginning when Zach Levi is talking to the, uh, I was going to say podiatrist, the pediatrician, he gestures over to the table the, with the tea set and the Annabelle doll is in the corner sitting as one of the dolls that's having tea. Um, and yeah, like I said, the Mary Marvel actress appeared in that film and was it rachel zegler it. no not rachel zegler it was no. uh, it's, uh it's grace names. grace carolyn curry i knew the last name started with a c so there you go there you yeah go. i liked her i liked her very much um i do love that so, annabelle's now been in uh, uh both shazams and the first aquaman i'm curious to see if annabelle <laughs> was he the director was he the director of annabelle yes, yes he was uh, okay. yeah. Yeah, he did okay. annabelle three um oh okay yeah. or no so, or maybe i'm sorry two i think it's two and yeah, yeah he Annabelle did Annabelle's who, had some legs because I was going to say, Annabelle whoever thought Annabelle would have three films? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Annabelle's a spirit, so Annabelle hops yeah. between you know vessels. So that's how that's how that works. But anyway, um, yeah. So it, you're right. It was very willy nilly uh, when the kids were appearing. And yeah, you're right. They tossed in the you know uh, the the one the the heavy set kid in the family. He's gay, and they kind of slid that in there. He didn't spend much time as a Shazam. Um, uh, Adam Brody as uh, Freddie didn't spend much time as Shazam, so you got more of a, a heavy on the the young kid who was playing that role. Um, the kid, who, uh, Billy Batson, as a younger man, got almost no screen time because he spent almost all this time as Zach Levi, for better or for worse. So, yeah, it was very all over the place. Um, and so, it, yeah, it was a bunch of adults as opposed to a bunch of kids trying to find their way. And, you know, they were really downplaying that Billy was scared because he was going to age out of the program. And then he would get thrown out of the parents' house, which gets demolished and rebuilt. But it's weird in the end because they have the staff that grants wishes. And you hear the parents say, we'd like our house rebuilt. And he doesn't, they don't do that. You know, I, may, maybe to do that, he just, sna- and they, they got a construction loan. And so the money started pouring in, so they still had to do all the work themselves. I hope they had insurance on their house, you yeah. know. Well, right. Yeah, it was like, oh, we, we, we have a call with the insurance guy next week, and now this happens. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, the one – yeah, so I don't know. I don't know where we're at with this. I know we're just kind of going free form. Um, we got an actual cameo in this as opposed to implied cameo in the first film. The implied cameo was was, was Henry Cavill Superman, or you saw you saw him from – basically the chest down and it was the outfit so you assume but we got uh, we got an early play of gal gadot as wonder woman but with her because freddie was ha- or uh, uh shazam was having a dream and we turned around it was it was demon hanchu as the wizard that was awesome that made me laugh yeah. that was pretty great but in the end we we actually do get gal gadot as wonder woman and she's the one that resuscitates freddie after he's buried and whatever but i was 
kind of annoyed by the fact that she showed up and she's all smiley. It's like it's a very serious situation. They're standing around the grave of Billy and she's all clunk, clunk, and he pops up and then she gives a speech and walks off. And I just, her presence annoyed me for some reason. I was like, she, she just was not taking it seriously. It was a serious situation. And she was, I said that to April. She's like, yeah, but she knew that she was going to resolve things. and It was going to be fine. But I'm like, you know, she could have just, she could have been just not quite so frivolous about it. I don't know. It bugged me. It's weird, but it bugged me. And we did get that cameo spoiled actually in uh, some commercials, which that annoyed me. Yes. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know, but it wasn't so far afield that it. But would yeah, I, yeah, I didn't know. Oh, go ahead. It had been rumored for so long. I just expected, and then there was rumors that she was being removed from it because. But I don't think. Oh, no, gotcha. No. But I mean, it was a literal Dusex Machina. Like they could not have, you know, like right. The intervention of the god. She came in and resurrected them. I don't know. I. I feel like when that movie tried to connect to the larger DC universes where it didn't work as well. I didn't, I, you know, I, I, I could have had this movie without her and having see him come back another way. And I definitely could have, you know, I don't know how much we're doing going into spoilers. Like, Oh, sure. This is also, I I should probably put a tag in, but yeah, we, when we do, we do more movie, we get into spoilers. I mean, it's okay. We've, we've always done it the same way. So I think we can say spoiler, right. we can say spoilers right now, because I mean, at this point there would be things that are, have not been shared and probably wouldn't see. So we can talk about the two post credit scenes. So Randall, you're going to probably speak to that. Yeah. That first post credit scene where it's connecting to, again, like what seems like a, universe that's no longer going to exist like uh like and teasing billy joining the jsa uh we have no you know plan no clue if jsa is going to happen uh with this you know the new films so it kind of just felt unnecessary (laughs) kind of flat now the jsa would then be referential to what we saw in black adam was that was the jsa correct correct Did they, I'm trying, you know, the movie was forgettable to me. Did any of them, did one of them die? Did any of them live? What? Dr. what uh, Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate, yes, exactly. Yeah. But all the rest of them are still around. So now they're going to yeah. toss Sam in there. So they're inferring that this is still the same universe where badass Black Adam and Henry Cavill is Superman. It's, yeah. it's, you're right. It's, it's a total mess. It, that was, a, it was a total mess. And it's not like they couldn't have yanked it in the last couple of months. Because they're like, oh, it's too late. We filmed it and whatever. And they do that kind of thing all the time. So you're right. It yeah, could have been yanked. yanked right, one scene. I mean, right. you can't yank Wonder Woman without heavy reshoots. But Right, exactly. Yeah, that was because it was the end of the film. And then, yeah, your second stinger um, took you right back to uh, the stinger from the first film, which was Dr. Savannah and the weird talking caterpillar, which I know he's got a name. Tell, tell me. Mind. Mr. Mr. Mind. Mind. Okay, gotcha. And so, but that was also played for less because Vonda was like, I've been sitting here for three years and scratching my ass and blah, 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 blah. And Mr. Mind's like, I, we're going to have a good time. We're going to do that right when I get back. And then he scurries off. I love that. Yeah. That was <laughs> like, that's what I wanted. That was good. And again, to your point, this could be a film franchise that is, this is the end of the road. Um, but in the here and now, that that portion of it was very enjoyable and, and, and parts of it were very fun. Um, even if it, even if it ends up going nowhere, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in alignment that I really think that first stinger could have been dumped because it was kind of, it was just, it was just kind of useless. Uh, even though I love seeing the suicide squad characters uh, and what, what's it, was it? Yeah. Argus, uh, seeing, uh, 
seeing uh what's his face who's the comedic actor the heavy the the, the man the guy with the glasses yeah oh. um, steve agee steve agee steve Ag, no, yeah. yeah yeah steve Ag, and then and then the 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 james gunn's wife yeah. james gunn's wife um so yeah so i i love seeing them but again it was it was pointless but whatever it was still fun yeah. because shazam's a fun character so he found a way to make the scene fun but yeah, yeah. it's kind of like yeah. eh, what's going on yeah fun fact the voice of mr mine is actually the director is oh. it? Um. <laughs> well yeah it's 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 all it's all through a voto quarter it's you know yeah so he he just kind of wanked it up but yeah, yeah. that was yeah. Fun. That, that was fun that was fun all right um other thoughts are we gonna give it the big pitch with the rating I'll just say one last thing. I think this is a movie you can take the whole family to. It's fun. Um, I think I like the very end of the movie where, you know, one of the big parts of this, the emotional center was, uh, you know, Billy was worried that, you know, as a foster kid, which my dad was a foster kid, he was worried he was going to age out and have to leave. That is a thing that a lot of people don't realize. And then you realize in the foster care system. So the fact that they were talking about like, no, you're always part of our family. You aren't aging out. And I think that that was was a really nice point. Totally. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, they, the movie had its heart and stuff like you can forgive, at least I can forgive so many flaws if it, you know, has a heart like that. And right. in that case it worked. Um, I mean, from a critical angle, one thing that kind of irked me and, but it's, I feel like a victim of the pandemic is all the kids grew up over the past four years. And like, it's weird to me that if this franchise was to continue, like Billy's now going to be a legal adult. Like we already lost right. like Billy as a kid. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That, yeah. And that's a tough piece about the, the fact that it's not a weekly show. Uh, yeah. Where, like, for example, I came back from the Star Trek cruise and I met Sirach Lofton, who is Jake Sisko on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. When that show started, he was 14. So he was, you know, he was then, you know, 20 years old when the show ended. That was 25. That was 30 years ago. So now he's almost the same age as us. So, yeah, it's very unusual to see. Well, here's a guy who's as tall as I am. He's you know, muscular. He's a basketball player. Uh, as opposed to, yeah, you see Billy. He's a scrappy 14-year-old in film one. You see Billy. He looks like, you know, he's your younger cousin in college in the next movie. And it's just been like that. But that is really how fast kids grow. <laughs> There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. I thought a standout was Darla, the youngest. She was adorable. Yeah. She was cute. And when she was older playing uh, the, the adult, she still was super cute and funny. And like right. she she saved the kittens, <laughs> which I thought was yeah. hilarious. Aww. I know. I love that was actress uh, Megan Good, who I, I like yeah. a lot of stuff. She's, She's great. great. Yeah. 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 So. So I guess it's rating time, Charlie. So, Charlie, why don't you go and rate? Uh, we're writing it out of uh, out of ten Shazams, zero out of zero to ten Shazams. I assume very high. This is uh, this is like an eight five for me. This is as much fun, especially after Black Adam. This is as much fun as I can remember having in a DC movie in some time. So eight five for me, Randall. I'd probably go with an eight. Yeah, I, which you know I think it. it more work than didn't and it it's I'm, i want to go back to it and that's the best compliment i can give like i don't want to go back to yeah. black adam <laughs> oh god no <laughs> we're all good with that yeah i'll give this one like a 7.75 i'll get with charlie's weird like uh you know decimal points um and i will say taste taste the yeah. rainbow enjoy the unicorns yeah. they are adorable they are they're not adorable oh, but they are, the, the unicorns were cool <laughs> the unicorns were great and I, I i forgot to slip this in but i said it to april i thought of the three um uh 
guy, you know, antagonist character, you know, antagonist, the, the female gods. I thought Lucy Lou was over the top in a way that I didn't enjoy. I thought she was too, you know, twirling mustache. Cackling, yeah. 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 yeah it was, it was better. She was more fair and balanced. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but Lucy Liu's portrayal kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But anyway, that's it. My chief complaint. Well, very good. Well, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I see the movie. It's. I think it's well worth your time. Just a very low stakes. Just enjoy yourself. Take your brain out and have a good right. time uh, with just, especially just, the superheroes. Just, just like sixty five. Take your brain. Yeah, out. And you, only, you really only need to see the first film, and you don't even need to see the first film if you don't want to. So right, it's, it's, which you know, we did. We. Yeah. We did watch it late last week, so we were okay. just booted up. But but again, it didn't feel like we needed to because I'd seen it a couple times in passing. So, yeah, good. good very good. good. Well, very good. Well, that is the end of our show. But before we go, Randall, thank you for joining us. This was great. Uh, tell people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram. I mean, my last name is kind of hard to spell, but it's easy to find me. So Randall Lotowitz, L-O-T-O-W-Y-C-Z. But you'll find me on most social media. Nice. Good deal. Todd, what about you? I'm at Tiaxtra on regular Twitters for my uh, personal takes on video games and sports and things like that. But definitely need to follow at SeekFriendsU on Twitter for basically updates on what we're doing for our podcast and our Patreon. Go to Patreon, patreon.com slash SeekFriendsUnite to see what we've got there uh, so you can get a taste of what we're making. And if you want to join us, please do. And if you don't have the money or you you, you don't want to join our Patreon, tell people about it and, and definitely share. And then other than that, you know what? We're on podcasts everywhere. So you know what will really help us? Rate our podcasts and Please share those do, with you. Yes. And a surprise, if you rate our podcast, you share it with me, you're in the running for a code for um, Gotham Knights, the PC game. So if you want to do that, I will get you the code. But uh, let us know that. Just basically take a picture of your review and DM myself at uh, Tiaxtra uh, or at SeekFriendsU. Uh, DM me that picture, and then uh, you'll be in the running for that code for Gotham Knights. Ooh, and since Todd did that, when that is done, I have something to offer as well. So, Todd, don't let me forget. I've got some movie codes I've been sitting on for a while that I want to make sure I get out there. So, well, cool. Well, you can find me uh, over on Twitter at the C3. Go ahead and spell it out. My wife, April, and I do run the USS Grand Petoskey. We're the Michigan, a Michigan chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club. I also actually run uh, Region 13 in SFI, which is Michigan and Eastern Canada. If you're listening to the sound of my my voice and you are a star trek fan in that necker drop us a line at a website uh for your resp- code response from that website or any socials or just me on twitter and i would be happy to connect you with other star trek fans in your neighborhood with that friends thank you as always for joining us i'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking be the hero not the villain in the truck shazam also that's my name This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.